Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. What it means to be at Highland Lakes, uh, if a building falls down there, Rick, it's probably my fault because many of the buildings that are up there I laid the foundation for. So if you've had foundational work, I don't want to know about that, please. And please don't talk to anybody at the church about it either. As of February 21st, 2023, there were over 1.2 million people incarcerated in the United States. 1.2 million people in jail or prison. The freedoms that we have sometimes go unknown or unseen or unappreciated by us if we're not careful. Uh, but the message that we see in that song that we just sang is a reminder to every one of us who is a believer today of what God's presence and his love and hope for us is all about. Our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is in a Savior who has overcome the world. If you were not in Sunday school this morning, shame on you, all right? But you would have heard that message replete through Paul's message to the church in Rome in the 6th chapter. If you haven't read that, go back and read the 6th chapter of the book of Romans and see what it means for us to understand the life that we have and the hope that is ours in a Savior that gave his life for us. Because that's the very nature of what our hope is about. That Jesus Christ died that we might live. But here's the thing. You and I are also called to die. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. For this pool that's up here that's seen thousands of people baptized in it is a testimony to what it means to be buried with Christ and raised to do what? Walk in a new life. Walk in the newness of life. That's the message that we see today. I think, again, if you'll look and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, uh, you'll see the answer to the question that's at the, well, you don't have a bulletin, do you? Uh, but I do. <laughs> the title of the message is, To Whom Are You Bound? And my English teacher would appreciate me using the proper uh, words there at that point. But uh, that's the message. It's a message of what it means for us to understand that in Christ we are bound to him eternally. That's the difference that Paul talks to us about in that sixth chapter, that we have an eternal relationship with him, not temporal, but one that lasts forever. If you have your Bibles open again, open to Acts chapter 16. Look at verse 16 and following. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, not to the girl, but to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command that you come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Please join with me in prayer. Father, many of us in this room understand what it means to be bound by something. Uh, to have that thing, Father, that surrounds us, that would overtake us and overcome us. But there's a call that you have for us to recognize the 
unboundless love that you have for us uh, and the mercy and the grace that you afford us. You help us, Father, to see that hope. You help us to experience that hope. And in the name of Jesus Christ, that we would live it and share it. For we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Are you bound by your circumstances? That's the first point. Remember, there are four points today. It's just 11:14, so we're going to get through them quickly. The message is pretty clear. Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke are on their way. And as they go to the city of Philippi, they meet outside the city gates because there's not a synagogue in that city. That's the reason that they're by the river that passes right by the city. And they have a pattern they set up. There's a lady that they meet there. Her name is Lydia. And she's the person that dyes stuff purple, which is a royal color. So she's pretty well healed because of what she does and the job she has. But they meet regularly there to pray, uh, to lift up to God the needs that they have and to lift up the opportunities that are theirs to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. And that's what we begin to see. Those things happen. You've already heard the rest of the message of what happens to her and through her, or excuse me, through Paul and the others, as there's someone who's there to interrupt them. Uh, as they're going to that place of prayer, the King James says, again in verse 16, uh, that defines that word spirit that I read just simply a spirit that told the future. Uh, it's a spirit of uh, divination that you see in the King James. And I like that one better uh, because it speaks to me of what it means to understand the fortune teller. That's what this one was, the tarot cards or whatever she used. She used some means of trying to tell people their futures because people were always looking for that. Uh, but I want you to know that that Greek word that he uses there is pathuna. There's a, another word that sounds like that in English. It's the word python. Thank you very much, Kim. You know how I saw it just on the Internet just the other day. A python catch a deer. This is someplace in Borneo. I've forgotten where it was. And it had that, this is a big animal, but it was a bigger snake. And you know what that python does? It begins to wrap around and constricts. With every breath in, that python constricts a little bit more until the very breath is out of that living animal. It may be that you're here this morning and circumstances are in your life in such a way that you have been or maybe are right this minute constricted by what's going on in your life. That the circumstances of your life are so overwhelming that you can't even get that next breath. And you wonder how you're going to make it to the next hour, much less the next day. That is what Paul runs up against in the life of this little girl. Now we don't know where she comes from. We don't know anything about her. We don't know her circumstances other than the fact that she has not one but two masters. You could say, well, how do you know it's two? Well, number one, I can tell you, because Luke writes down her masters. There are at least two people who own her. They have invested their money in her because she is a source of income for them. And in that relationship, we see a minor problem or a major problem in her life that she deals with every day of her life. Somebody else owns her. Somebody else is in control of her. But as if that's not enough... There's another element of ownership. 
And that is the spirit that controls her life. Next time you go in Walmart, I want you to look back in the back of the store. Isn't it interesting? It's very back. Where they put the milk? Karen and I were talking about that just the other day. They put the milk in the back of the store at Walmart, so you have to walk through the whole store to get to the milk. What else do they put in the back of the Walmart? They put the liquor back there. And you look up at the top on the wall and see what it says. It doesn't say liquor. It says spirits. God calls us to recognize in our lives that there are countless spirits that would overcome us, overpower us, and control us in our daily lives. And it doesn't just have to be alcohol or drugs. It can be the issues of power in our lives, of control, of the need to have that, of making more money, of ruling somebody else's life. And all of a sudden we recognize what it means to be in control. Better yet, it makes it a little easier for me to understand what it means to be out of control. That I am no longer in control of my life, but something else is ruling me. Something else is guiding me. Something else is directing me in a way I know I'm not supposed to be going. Because I've experienced that new life that we talked about in Sunday school this morning. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ gives me that opportunity. And if you don't have that, you don't truly understand what it means to have that hope of new life. But in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are born anew. All things old are passed away, and behold, all things have become new in him. And we have that hope, we have that life, that we can face the difficulties of each day because we know Christ is present with us. This girl didn't know that. But there's one thing that she did know, one thing of which she was aware. Did you hear it? She yells out at everybody that she sees. These men are agents of the living God, showing you the way unto salvation. That's the way it should be for every individual who is a believer that's a part of the Grace Baptist family today, that there ought to be somebody walking around behind us saying, that Gary is an agent of the Most High God, and he is ready to tell you how to be saved. It's not the preacher's job. It is each of our responsibility to tell other people about what it means to understand Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. And in that relationship that we have freedom. That's a hard thing. People don't understand that. People think that if we're bound to Christ, that's a real problem because I have to do what he says, go where he says. I have to listen to him. I have to obey the rules. That's what we think, isn't it? But the freedom that comes in ours is not freedom from the rules. It is freedom from the results of sin in our lives. That was in our Sunday school lesson this morning. See, if you come to Sunday school, you can just coast during the worship service. You already know all the answers. And the message of God's Word is that we need to look and see there are circumstances in each of our lives where we recognize that there are things in us and going through us that separate us from the love of the living God. And this girl continually followed Paul around until he said this, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command that you come out of her. Do you think he said it this way? Maybe this way. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command that you come. Do you think that girl was screaming what she was saying? They didn't have microphones. They didn't have megaphones. I believe that she was screaming the message that she was screaming. And I believe that that day 
Paul said this, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command that you come out of her. And that's the same thing he would do in each of our lives today. If there's something that is controlling your life today, I'm here to tell you that that Holy Spirit is able to drive out any other spirit that's in your life that will control you and keep you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I command that that spirit would come out of you today and come out of me and come out of each of us that we recognize who rules and reigns in our lives. We know those things. We recognize those things. Paul did, and he sought to make a change in that li the life of that young girl who was under control. She didn't have any control over her life. And in that relationship, she was struggling. She was a slave to her circumstances. Now, it may be this morning that you're bound by the choices that you make. Uh, there's another group that's here. The young girl didn't have any choice about what she did, but you know the other people that did? Look back at verse 19. When the owners of the girl realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, remember this, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful to Romans to accept or practice. The owners of the slave realized their plan of making money from her was no longer there. You got that? Look at verse 19. You can see they went berserk. What did they do? They grabbed Paul. They grabbed Silas. They dragged him before the city officials. They let everybody know that these two men had ruined their lives. But what don't they say? They don't say anything about Paul and Silas messing up their jobs. They say these guys are Jews. And it's all because of them we've got this problem. Don't think that problem's not gone on for generations in our world. Blame somebody else for the problem that's yours, but the real problem that is theirs is that they're the one that's put this girl where she is in the first place. And it's not bad enough that they're making money off her. What they've done is they've used her for purposes that God would not have be. Does that sound like our world today? Think anything's new in this world? Think any problems that we have are unlike what Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy went through? It's the same world. We live in the same world because it's full of men and women that do the same things that what we see as sin, they see as opportunity. You would think maybe those owners might have said this, what a miracle. You know what? God healed this girl. God changed this girl's life. But that sure wasn't a lie. What would we do if we saw that? Somebody that we knew that was going through these kinds of difficulties? Do you think we'd praise God? Do you think we'd lift up those needs? Yeah, we'd praise God. All these guys could see was the bottom line. And they knew that they were losing something that was important to them. And it was the services of this young girl. What ruled their lives? What was the source of who they were? What was their objective? Here comes, you already know, greed overwhelms us, doesn't it? We want more, we think we need more, we're going to get more, and we don't care what it takes for us to get what we want. That's the basis of what greed is all about. In our lives, the choices that we make demonstrate who we are. 
If we don't care who we have to step on or step over to get to where we want to go, that says something about our nature. If we don't mind abusing someone or hurting someone to get what we want, that is all nothing but greed. God calls us to look at the choices that are ours and to see in them the nature that is ours. Whether we obey the spirits of this world or we follow the Savior that has given us life and love. It's hard for us to understand. The rich young ruler, you remember that story? I'm sorry, I'm going off tax here, but remember what happened with him? Jesus, I'm ready to follow you wherever you go. What does Jesus tell him? Uh-huh. It's pretty simple. He actually asked him this question first. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And what does the young man say? All these I've kept since my youth. And here comes Jesus' response to him and to each of us today. This one thing you lack, you go sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come follow me, and you know the result of that. Luke tells us this very simple message. He says, and he went away sad because he had much wealth. It's not about wealth. It's about what we do with what God's given us. It's not unlike the situation in Mark 5. Remember the Gadarene demoniac, the guy that was in the tombs? What did he do? He cut himself. He did all kinds of, they couldn't chain him. They couldn't bind him. They couldn't keep him quiet. And what did he do? He cried night and day. And Mark 5 tells us about the nature that is his, and it was a pitiful situation. And all the people did all that they could do in that community to try, I hate to use the word shut up, but that's what they were trying to do, try to keep this guy under control. What happened to him? <laughs> the first thing, when he came and met Jesus personally, saw him face to face, Jesus commanded that those demons come out of him, and they left immediately. Now, wouldn't you think those people would have been, man, that's amazing. Old Bob over here, he's been screaming in the tombs. He's been cutting himself. He's been breaking chains. He's been doing all this stuff for a long time. And look how he's changed. He's not the same person anymore. He's changed completely. You know what they were worried about? They were worried about the thousand pigs that died when the spirit went into that herd of pigs. That's all they were thinking about. They were thinking about their loss. There's a call for us to recognize what it means to follow Jesus Christ. He calls us to take up our crosses and follow him. We are called to die to self and live for Christ in our relationship with him. It cost us, and we don't think this is the case. Believers, sometimes we forget it, don't we? There's a call for each of us to die to self and to live for Christ. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain, Paul tells us. That we recognize that we do have to give it all to him. And that is the choice that is ours. Believers, how are you living out that choice? How is the world seeing that in you is the promise of Jesus Christ lived out daily in such a way that the world sees and knows Consequences put you in that shape. Choices 
put you in that kind of shape. But there's a third thing that we see. A third thing that goes on in this story that tells us something about what it means for us to understand the choices and decisions that are ours. There are so many times in our lives where we do things and we don't even know we've done them wrong. I would tell you this after having ridden around in a police car for years down in North Carolina that remember this, ignorance of the law is no excuse. If you didn't know that that speeding sign was there as you went through that school zone and the officer pulls you over and said you were doing 45 and a 15 and you say, but I didn't know that it was a school zone. Whose responsibility is that? The police officers or yours? It's our response. That's what we see lived out in these next passages. Hang on just a second. I'm sorry. Let me get back to it. This is an Acts, excuse me, Mark, uh, no, it's not in Mark. It's in Acts 16. Acts 16, 25. What's happened now? Let me get you caught up. Everybody knows most of the story. I'm looking. I'm watching. Okay. We're doing okay. What happens is the guys come they fuss at what Paul and Silas had done, take them before the magistrates. The magistrates, you know what the magistrates do? They strip them, they beat them with rods, and they lock them in the deepest part of the cave that these guys are locked in, the jail. This is not a Matt Dillon jail. This is a hole in the ground that's got bars over it or a way you can't get out. And it's dark. There's no light in it. The only person that has the light is the jailer that goes down in there to see where you're going to put somebody. And that's where Paul and Silas end up. Why did they end up there? Because they healed a little girl who was in pain. Read with me in Acts 16, beginning in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I probably would not have been doing that. Bob would have been crying, and he would have been wondering why God had done this to him. And the other prisoners... Look at that. We're listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had all escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. <clears throat> and the jailer called for lights rushed in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and told all the others in his house. And that hour at night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized and the jailer brought them to his house. He set a meal before them and was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. You know what? That is a testimony of what it means for us to show and demonstrate our faith in difficult times. I've seen that time and time again through the years. I've seen it with Don Crow. I've seen it. Where are you, Simon? I know you're back there. There he is. I've seen it with Simon in difficult situations. 
that you see someone giving praise and glory to God. And you know what? I can guarantee you this if you don't realize that there are people listening to every word you say. Everything you say and everything you do. And they understand you have a hope in their lives that they don't have. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. This guy thought he had it made. Do you understand that? He had a government job. Everybody knows if you've got a government job, everything's paid for, right? Y'all forgive me now. I'm not making fun of government workers. But, but that's the attitude he had, right? He had meals. He had a job. He had a home. He had it all. And all of a sudden, he found something out. What did he find out? He found out he didn't have anything. All the things that he put his trust, all the things he put his hopes in, they were all gone. Why? Because he knew he was about to die. And how he, was he going to die? Why do you think he drew his sword out? He was ready to kill himself. How many times? I'm not asking anybody here, don't raise your hand, don't give me a look, don't do, put your head down, don't do anything. But there are times in a lot of people's lives where they become desperate to the point of not knowing where to go or what to do. And all they can figure out, and this guy figured it out, you know, he was responsible for every prisoner who was under his care. And he had to serve, he had to serve the sentence of each person who was in his charge if they got away. And he was ready to kill himself. Thank God for the answer that came from him through Paul. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're all here. And then Paul began to explain to him the hope that was theirs through the darkness and the difficulties. This guy didn't have any idea he was lost. Our world is full of people who have no idea of their lostness. It's just like people walking around with some cancer that they don't know they have, but they have it. Maybe it's an infectious disease that they have that's killing them in the process. If you don't know that you're dying, it's not going to keep you from dying. And that's the ultimate thing that we see going on in the, in the situation with this jailer is that he is dying eternally because the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ is eternal life through his one and only son. And when he hears it, what must I do to be saved? What is it I have to do? Don't you wish that the rich young ruler had figured that one out? Jesus told him, what did he do? He went away sad because he didn't want to give up what he had. When we were in, I about gave you the place, I won't do that. A long time ago, I went to share the good news with a, a, a boy that was a part of our youth group. And I sat down and I went through the whole plan of salvation with him. We talked about the personal relationship. I shared my personal relationship with him. He had seen and he'd heard that. And I asked him, I said, is there any reason? You couldn't follow Christ right now. And he gave me the most honest answer I've ever heard. He said, Bob, if I do what you say, I can't keep doing the things I'm doing. And I'm not ready to give them up. That's honesty. But that kind of honesty will separate you from God eternally. Thank God for the fact that Philippian jailer asked, and what was the result? He and his whole household came to know Jesus Christ 
personally. Maybe this morning you're lost and you don't know you're lost. Doesn't make any difference. You've heard the truth now. And the truth gives us an opportunity to make that claim real in our lives that we know that there's a point in time where we've made that decision and I've decided to follow Christ and I'm doing it right now. This is the, what is it, the 23rd of July at, okay, <laughs> 940 or 1040. I'm working on it. I accepted Jesus Christ. I know right then I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. That was the time. This was the place. This was the opportunity. There's one last thing we see in this situation that we see, <coughs> excuse me, we see Paul and Silas, remember, uh, that uh, we see Luke is there and, and Timothy's there. The question is, are you a prisoner of Christ? Take up thy cross and follow me, I heard my master say. I gave my life to ransom thee, surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I go. But surely not to jail. I don't want to go to jail. You know what? I don't, I don't want to help students. I don't want to work with the children. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do visitation. I don't want to sing in a choir. I don't want to do those things. I just want to sit in a pew, listen to the preacher yell at me for a little while, and then go home and I'll be happy. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Think about this. Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. And they, they lay that on the magistrates later on. When they find out these guys are not Roman citizens and they realize that they've beaten Two Roman citizens. Guess who's shaking in their boots now? And they're ready to do anything they could for them to help them out, to get them out of this situation and get themselves out of the circumstances in which they found themselves now. But if Paul and Silas had not gone through what they went through, I wonder if this jailer and his family would have ever come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That takes us back to what happened in the hospitals with us. What happens in those difficult times when somebody dies in our family and people lick and they go, how are you dealing with this? You have an answer, don't you? I'm dealing with this because I know that this person I love so much, I know where they are. I know that they're in the presence of a living God right now. That is the message that is to be ours. That is the hope that is to be ours. And we are called to translate that with everyone we see. That we share with people the message. It may be through the shadows dim or o'er the stormy sea. I'll take my cross and follow him wherever he leadeth me. Years ago, Karen and I traveled back to that place that uh, I told you about just a second ago. That church family, we were there. It was a big, big deal. There were hundreds of people there. And as we were going around and talking with people, this young man, adult man, came up to me and he said, don't do this, by the way. Don't, for sure don't do it with me. Do you remember me? Don't do that to anybody when you haven't seen them for 15 years, all right? Do you remember me? And as I looked at him, I thought, well, I looked out on this one, yes, because he looked about the same to me as he did, but it's 15 years later. He was a 16-year-old boy when I knew him. And I said, well, I called his name. His name will be Bill. 
I said, well, Bill, man, yeah, I see you. Man, you look great. Everything going okay? First words out of his mouth were, I need to tell you something. About 10 years ago, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I gave my heart to him because he gave his life for me. And I've worked to live for him and to die to self. And he said, I wish I had done what you asked me to 15 years ago. And I wasted all those years, but Bob, I'm not wasting them anymore. I'm following Christ. I've given my heart to him. I've given my life to him. And in that relationship with him, I know I have eternal life. My heart, my life, my all I bring to Christ who loves me so. He is my master, Lord, and king. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Where do you stand? Is your life under the control of the Savior who loves you and gave his life for you? Or is your life given to something in this world that is simply temporal and will not last? And the day will come where you'll be separated from it. That hope comes to us through a Savior who gave his life and all for us. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the fact that Jesus Christ came and died and rose again to show us the way, to show us your way, for Christ died for our sins on Calvary's cross. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.